Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast, The Counter Show. Today, uh, we've got a special guest who we've had on before, and we're going to get into a, a few topics of, uh, of, of the state of our industry today. Um, we're always happy to have uh, this gentleman on with us. Uh, we've, Like I said, we've had him on before with his co-host. Uh, they have started up a podcast as well. The Engine Professional Podcast. Uh, we would like for you guys to go check those out. You can go to um, aera.org to find that. And um, we're gonna we're gonna talk to our good friend and co-host of that podcast, Chuck Lynch. Chuck, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing great, Jay. Hey, good to be on with you. Awesome, awesome. So um, you've been pretty busy. Uh, I know we've been uh, chatting a little bit here and there. Um, kind of crossing paths, trying to see the progress of your podcast. Are you guys enjoying your podcast? How's that going for you? Every step makes uh, makes it, it it's really fun. Uh, once you take a few steps, as you guys mentioned, going into this, you'll get more comfortable with it. So it's becoming more conversational. You know, number one, here we are. We're uh, it's trying to go by a script even though you told us not to and but that's just kind of how we're wired a bit but it's getting easier and everybody all the conversation that we have with people that are listening they give the same advice hey loosen up guys you guys are great you got good info (laughs) just loosen up so yeah well i've listened to every single episode um you guys got three episodes out there keith has done the same thing i know um we're very excited for you guys i've enjoyed every single one it's very beneficial information if you guys are a shop out there um or even if you just like to hear shop talk uh it's a great podcast to to uh to to get on board with um they get highly technical uh in some areas uh chuck is uh, well renowned in the industry he's been in the industry for a long time uh, work for several. Uh, will work for a, pro- a production engine rebuilder uh, for many years, and uh, he's now with the uh, AERA team. And um, uh, we are just excited to have him back on with us. And uh, I've leaned on Chuck for advice many, many times uh, over the course of the last several years. But what we want to do today, guys, is it's SEMA week, um, SEMA and Apex week uh, in Las Vegas is where it would normally be held. Um, but unfortunately, due to the COVID pandemic, uh, we saw a lot of these um, recent trade shows uh, have to shut down. So we're going about it in a new manner. Uh, it's a virtual experience this time. It's new for me. It's new for everybody. Um, and it hasn't come off with a few hitches. And we'll get into maybe some of those things that, that, are, um, that are happening out there. But what we want to do is we want to talk about the state of of our industry and 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 how things are going in the industry right now and chuck you sh- you know that firsthand because you visit a lot of a lot of shops uh, a lot of machine shops uh, a lot of businesses uh, pertaining to the industry what are you seeing out there what's um what's what's the state of the industry right now what you feel right now <clears throat> the state of the industry is kind of like 2020 has been as a whole Mm. so it's it's pretty crazy and then chaos jumped in the sidecar and now (laughs) there is wreaking havoc um if you take a look at the biggest hurdle quite honestly for everyone now is the fact that it's a global pandemic and initially the per's they were struggling for parts availability 
Right. But a lot of the stuff that was in warehouses and stores for custom engine builders, high performance, probably even heavy duty was better. It's starting to get to the point where they're feeling the effects. Again, it's global. So getting support from other parts of the world, there's no corner untouched. Uh, so that's that's our biggest challenge right now. I'm hearing from the PERs, hey, we got tons of orders because used car sales is crazy. Uh, manufacturing of new vehicles is way off the mark. So there's opportunity and not a really good way to backfill that opportunity at the right now. Well, that seems to be the magic ingredient. So Jay and I were talking about this yesterday, you know, as Jay pointed out, it's Apex week and SEMA week. And we're doing some of the virtual stuff in the SEMA 360. And, and this is a first attempt for those folks. And there's some bugs. So what we have seen throughout the year is, um, at least in, in from what I'm seeing, you, you've got two different kinds of opportunities going on here. You've got B2B, uh, business to business, and then you've got business to consumer, right? So... Uh, a lot of the aftermarket stuff that goes on in Apex is B2B. And the, and the challenge is, you know, companies like like Amazon and to some extent Apple, they have figured out, okay, well, the business to consumer thing, we can work around that. We can use social media and the internet and we can still sell you computers online and they'll show up at your front door. But where it seems to be a little bit more of a challenge is the B2B work because you know, you still have the internet, but some of those kinds of work transactions are a little bit more difficult to take place. And I guess kind of my question for you, Chuck, is, and I'm specifically thinking about AERA, um, as you're trying to interface with some of these uh, PERs, as you called them, what's what's the what's the challenge you know there's opportunity there right so what are your hurdles other than product delays i mean how do you go about daily business are you still getting tech calls like you normally would has that changed what are the changes in the and the hurdles so social distancing when i say per for anyone that's listening that isn't familiar with that term it's production engine rebuilder <clears throat> so they are kind of a counterpart in the automotive engine rebuilding industry or more appropriately, it's anymore, it's engine rebuilding industry. But the production engine rebuilders have to deal with the things that the OEs are dealing with and that's social distancing. How do we accommodate that? Uh, I think coming out of this, their models will be different because they're having to set up their sourcing, purchasing agents or working remotely, things of that nature. Still, the biggest hurdle, I need the product to build with. Even when we can move shifts, uh, change, for the most part, this industry doesn't have a lot of the first, second, third shifts. So if they modify their shifts, do things to accommodate social distancing, you're still minus parts. That's been something that's Again, it's going to change the complexion going forward, I believe. What, what are we talking weeks, delay, months? Um, is it 
you know, stuff's been delayed since March and then we still don't have it. I mean, how much of a delay are we talking about on some of this stuff? All the above, because the complexity of the component, raw materials, gaskets, things that you can cut. Okay, once I get some material, I can get on it pretty quick and make a quick Mm -hmm. turnaround. Something like a piston. Okay, so I'm waiting on a material that's got to travel to another location then there's a lot of procedurals that go into processing the material and then the machining of the product, then dissemination of the product. It's got more complexities. The level of spec tolerances is going to have an impact on that. So again, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've talked to several suppliers uh, in the aftermarket that would supply some of these production engine rebuilders and they've experienced, you know, almost double in some cases on their uh, lead times uh, go from 180 to 360. And it's, you know, that's a lot of things that you can't, um, you don't have a whole lot of, under normal circumstances, yeah, you got safety stock in place. Um, you're, you're, you're aware of uh, the forecast that, that you are given by your PERs. Um, but man, when you throw a pandemic in this thing, it just completely throws well, it throws a wrench in the, in the whole whole Jay, process. Do, do you just reach out to okay? So I mean, I'm you know, let's just look at like valves, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Some of those may have been coming out of a, a manufacturer in China, right? Do you reach out to a different manufacturer in another part of the world, even if it costs more, and try to stock up? And well, go? as yeah, you can. Yes. I think, you know, what you have to do as a, as an engine rebuilder is have many sources in place. So for, for the production engine rebuilder, you've got, you know, uh, vendor A, vendor B, vendor C to, to pull from. Um, in some cases, you know, the production engine rebuilder may be going directly to the manufacturer, which that in itself poses a whole set of challenges, as Chuck well knows. Um, but if you were to go to a second source, but you've never used them before, you still have to go through that qualification process. You can't just throw anything in an engine and expect it to perform as well as what you've been using. So you have to be very careful in that regard. But yes, if you have gone through the vetting process and you would hope that some of these suppliers have done that where they too have source A, B, and C for those circumstances, and everybody communicates you know, within the organization to your customers or your, your end user, your, your other businesses, your production engine builders, then everybody's happy. Um, and just as long as there's an awareness that this is not our normal supply to you, but we know you've got to fill. But it could be normal for five years. You know? It could be. I mean, and that's just something we don't know. Right. And we don't know yet how many of these plants abroad are going to even still be in business in two right. years from now we just don't know that yet we we haven't come out on the other side of this thing so it's um the impacts of 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 this this pandemic it's it's like chuck said you know it, it's it's been steady as far as the business goes but we're starting to see some trend some trend in other directions so so here's the thing okay so we're talking about engine parts and moving parts right now Chuck, you've you've watched our podcast. You've 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 been a fan of our our YouTube channel, and we've we've recently released several videos. And I don't know if this was a um, I'm leaning in. in. I can't wait for this <laughs> intent by Keith because 
Keith, Keith's at the helm back there editing all these videos and the, and the audio stuff that we do. And, and um, we, we work together trying to get these things released. But the last three videos that we've released and, and, and podcasts, we've talked heavily on alternative fuels, electric vehicles, hydrogen fuel cell type vehicles, and those sorts of things. Um, so we kind of want to get into that a little bit with you, Chuck, and, and wonder what the impact is to an organization like yourself and then, of course, your members. How is that impacting um, uh, that aspect of the business? Because obviously, with an electric vehicle or an alternative fuel type vehicle, you don't have as many moving parts as you may have had in a uh, just a gasoline or diesel engine, especially when it comes to EVs. So, where does that play into to your broader forecast of the future for for the organization? Quite honestly, the biggest challenge is education, though. <clears throat> it's like we're reliving the pioneer days of rail. Everybody's got a different plan. Which type of batteries they're going to use, how they're recovering energy. It's like we're at the wide gauge, narrow gauge railway. So what what are we going to do here in a go forward basis? Uh, again, so education for us, absolutely. Uh, I know this is a topic that was addressed in San Diego at the PERA convention uh, a couple of years ago. Hey, where are we going to go with uh, EV stuff and can we bring it in to our shops? So it's on the it's on the minds of people, but how do you address it? And then also battery servicing. Uh, mm-hmm. You take a look at uh, Jasper Engines, they've been in battery business for, I'm sorry, an electric motors business for a long time. In my tenure there, uh, we actually even worked with uh, a group of research engineers for the military because batteries are a challenge. They are still working on reliability, serviceability, reproducibility of batteries. So stability it, it, as well. A, yeah, it's a it's a multi pronged effort. Mm. Yeah, I got to understand the the battery. It, it's kind of like the engine control stuff has driven the machine shop to being more of an underhood technician too. Right. Because used to the engine didn't really change much once it got in the vehicle. But you look at now, the engine changes a lot with the ancillary controls. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so although the electric motor seems pretty simple, what about all the command decision stuff that's telling it what to do? Right. Well, and this is your railway analogy is pretty interesting. So in in a lot of ways, it it sounds to me like it's almost Wild West. So you've got obviously the the, the big name in the room, Tesla. And then you've got GM coming out a few weeks back and saying, okay, well, we've got a Hummer EV now and we're going to retool our Spring Hill plant and we're going to start rolling off Cadillacs that are in our Ultium platform and they're doing things their way. And then you got Ford out here doing, you know, whatever they're doing. And then Rivian signs a deal with Amazon and they're going to, you know, 100,000 electric vehicles. And then you got Toyota and Hino kind of doing some alternate fuel cell stuff. And there's almost this and Jay and I kind of hedge our bets on whatever the standard is next year. Five years from now, that will not be the standard because we'll be in generation two or three or four, you know, whatever, 
or we're just going to completely move away from battery cells and we're going to go to something else. And I think we're going to see some rapid changes, but there's no standardization. So, so what's the, uh, is it literally just sort of a watch and wait for the next couple of years? Is there an, a plan at all to integrate? Um, I mean, you know, te- let's use Tesla, you know, I mean, it, you know, they're kind of proprietary with a lot of their stuff. I mean, what with, I, I guess with California coming out and saying, okay, no more gasoline engines in what was it? J 20, 2035. I think they followed. They're yeah. They followed. Um, yeah. They followed the same path as England. So is yeah. it, is it sort of let's, let's recalibrate in two years and see what the state of the industry is. Is that, is that a fair assessment right now of where you are? Absolutely. <clears throat> At this point, I, I use an analogy a lot about I would rather be dropped into the jungle to find my way out. You know, either give me a compass or don't tell me anything because if you tell me I'm going north and I'm really going south, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, love right. I need yeah. I need a point of reference. So right now that that point of reference doesn't exist. So you kind of have to let the the fires burn down a little bit. Yeah. Well, we have, there's standards organizations in the auto industry, and those were established for these very reasons. I mean, it, it almost sounds like some sort of standards organization being put in place for alternate fuel really needs to happen. I mean, without I it... That everybody has a different map and everybody has a different compass right well i i well as chuck was saying keith you know it's always on the minds of everyone especially in our industry the the remanufacturing industry about where where evs are going to come into play for us um but uh yeah you know uh, uh I kind of lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry, but uh, the 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 electric vehicle is it's not it's not a situation where, like he said, he doesn't have a comp. If you don't give him a compass, he has no point of reference. We don't know yet how the the, the impact. We have no idea what the impact is going to be on our engine rebuilding business at this point. But what we do know is this: is that General Motors, Ford, um, and Chrysler, they're heavily involved. And it, you, you watch what's going on behind the scenes with all of these um, uh, OEMs. They are vested. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they are investing into this technology. So it's not going to go away. So I think now there's more an ever present time that we should get together and talk about this and be prepared for that 2035 mark. Because I think that that might be where everybody in that industry has said, okay, by 2035, if you. The, the the technology is going to be so far beyond what it is now, which it will be, because it grows and changes exponentially. Um, it's it's going to be interesting in, by the year twenty thirty five. And you know now we're saying I don't see how they could hit that mark. Uh, but but I you know yeah. that's 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 right. some time. Let's turn this around. <laughs> and Chuck, you can take this wherever you want to take this. I, I'm going to ask if you if you could lay out. As I smack my camera tripod over here on my funny bone, <laughs> if you could if you could lay out a a two year plan for for AERA, like here's what I would like to see happening 
by the end of that two years that isn't right now or here's where i would like to see us go in the next five years or ten years would you would you change anything this is a broad question you can take this anywhere you want um (laughs) would what what specific things would you have your eye on are there things that you're just like yeah i wish we could do something about that well i i think the opportunities that that kind of exist that we can make crossover is we already have people within our industry who are supporting engine rebuilding with say rotating electric alternators. So some of that stuff is going to cross over. So I would like to see where, okay, the management component of it. So if we're rebuilding rotating electric, those same group of support engineers and takes this to a point where, hey, we can we can do a transition from just building alternators generators to components for EV. So it's we're not starting without anything whatsoever in our side of the of the industry. So I, I think I would like to see that grow and we constantly have conversation with the guys on the tech line uh, about hey how do you grow yourself out of just being the guy who bores and homes blocks or does cylinder heads right is there an education opportunity there like if you start putting content out in your webinars and in 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 the places where you teach whether that's you know online or in person is it would it be helpful at all to start suggesting those things like i guess i'm saying like is there value there to 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 you all at aera to just say hey shop owners like here's something you maybe have you know you you see where i'm going with that right we live in a big bowl of spaghetti it's all intertwined (laughs) and so we have to speak to those things anyway at what effort we put into that that's still a little bit unknown for us at, at what time. Yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with like Rematech, uh, some of the other groups out there, Core. There's a lot of this stuff in the periphery. Again, they're, they're ancillary subsidiary components of the engine industry for us because that's what we're really interested in the engine stuff, but you have to have your eye on the ball. You can't just sit back and say, well, I guess we'll ride it out until the piston engine goes away. Uh, We're still going to have to support that stuff for a long time as well. That said, that's our opportunity to build a bridge, right? Yeah. Yeah. How much of what the racing industry does affects (laughs) the rest of your market share? So, like, if some if if nhra or nascar or another you know race organization f1 right said next year uh we're gonna run hydrogen you know and we're gonna see how that goes i'm just randomly choosing something does that tend to dictate does the rest of the market follow does that have any impact on direction for you or no it is in the development of the OE side. We all know that. As, but typically the repair side, we're about seven years behind anyway. I think Jay's probably had that conversation before. You know, the bell curve at that yeah. time is, has changed. It used to be 
three to five years, and it's about seven years now because of the longevity of vehicles. Uh, so I think it doesn't impact this side of the industry that quickly, that two to three years, but it does give you an idea of what you might see in seven to 10 years. So, and that's something else we'll point out too to our audience that I think the performance industry side of our industry is such a, has such a huge impact on our everyday vehicles now more so than they ever did before. Um, wouldn't you say just based on materials and with the emission controls and stuff like that they put up, we have to kind of reach out to those performance guys that are building those engines to survive um, and to perform with the tighter tolerances that they use. Um, wouldn't you say that we do have to really look hard at that performance racing industry to at, really see? At the very high level, yeah, you know, your Formula One, of course, and like the uh, the rally cars, things of that nature that are really, really pushing the limits of, of the materials. There's some of the other performance sides that they're not really evolving with with modern technology you see on the street. And that is one of the reasons I think that we're, we've seen a decline in followership uh, in certain venues in the racing world. Because, hey, what's that association? I went to a, it was at a schools conference a couple of years ago, and there were a couple of design engineers from GM there that were really perplexed about, I can't believe I'm designing a car that people don't want to drive. They just want to climb in it and it take me here or there so I can manipulate my latest gadget. I don't really, I don't care that it's a car, it's just a shuttle. I don't right. want to walk to a bus station. I want to own it, hop in it in my garage, but that's all I care about. So, you know, the relating that to something that you have, it, that's still a pitfall. I think that's why you see some of the uh, part suppliers are actually spending more money in rock climbers. They're spending more money in the hot rod diesel truck stuff because that market they do want the feedback. They want that recognition of something that those guys relate with. Uh, you know, we're, we're free to choose. And that's just become one of the challenges now that less and less people really care about the freedom of the vehicle. Um, I know I'm kind of meandering around a little bit, but that's, that is some of the challenges, you know, you've got the ones that are strong followers and the ones that don't really care. So it impacts, it impacts our focus. Right. I get it. Yeah. Um, back to the EV side of this. So when you go to a shop and this is just, uh, this is just a, a question that I, that popped into my mind just now, when you go to a shop, does that subject ever come up? I mean, how often do you talk about the threat of that EV market into their business? And do you have those discussions where you say to that shop owner, Hey, you know, here, here's a, here's a sector of, of the EV industry that you could really, you know, get into. Maybe you should start doing that now. And I know Keith asked you a little earlier, is there any intent for AERA to be offering some sort of 
continuing education in regards to the electrification side of these things and how to rebuild the motors and that sort of stuff. And like you said, you know, alternators, starters, we all get it. Um, you know, if, you know, if so- someone's already ahead of the curve, if you will, if they're in that already, um, and honestly, I'm sitting here today for the first time, and you mentioned Jasper was into rebuilding some of those, and I had no idea that they were already into that, but that makes sense because of who they are. Yeah, that's um, why I show up to these things. I always learn something. So, yeah. <laughs> well, they're very, uh, Jasper Engines has always been very innovative in, in, yeah. in the industry, in my, my opinion. I think, Chuck, you, would you say the same? <clears throat> oh, very much so. Uh, like in 2008, when the economy was really struggling, uh, they decided to get into the LED light business and some other projects, you know, for providing uh, heating and cooling. So, yeah, they've always been quite innovative. Uh, The electric motor side of the business has been industrial. Uh, Kind of an interesting Ah. story is that's how I became more familiar with FLIR. FLIR's been around for a long time, but they actually use the cameras to uh, do inspections, insurance inspections on new built facilities looking for resistance in wiring. Uh, Hey, there's a hot spot there. So before you turn this thing over to the, the new tenant, make sure that it's not going to burn down day two <laughs> right, right so for those of you that don't know forward looking infrared um cameras uh heavy military application but now we're finding i've seen them used in agriculture you know i they're looking at crops yeah. and just odd things but well yeah. that's another sector that's another sector of the technology industry you know the military is always you know at the at, you know at the that level which it tends to bleed on out yeah, to then the we get everyday yeah, consumer right, right. we get into it but and speaking of that you know we had a we recently had a podcast on on the uh the hummer ev and um when we were you know chatting you up over this past week about having you on uh you threw some interesting points out um because we, we were, you know, the Hummer is, that's an opportunity for GM, really, I think, to get into the Department of Defense. And there well, was some interest for those guys. So it interestingly, just the sense. first generation started as a military vehicle. That's right. And we've seen that go full circle now where we're, we're deploying these first on the consumer level, you know, business to consumer, right? And then can we adapt this for military use? So we've kind of, we've done a, a 180 on how things make their way into uh the military theater i guess a little bit drones and other stuff like that you know uh they they look to repurpose that kind of stuff now from the consumer side yeah yeah what's your thoughts on that chuck the the because you were your prior military and yeah um you know what do you think about that ev hummer with for me i well the first time i saw it with they've got this you know the crab track where this thing can you know all, all four wheels turn and it can it can ease its way in and out and if you're out in the you know you're in the desert and you're in in, in warfare and you have this thing to me it just kind of made sense that it would work in an application like that if it applied to the military it's quiet and then keith brought up another point um which was air filtration you know in the in the desert you know yeah, you, don't you don't have that worry no you don't have intake. that worry of getting it in the engine there's no intake so um it's kind of interesting uh, that that has surfaced as it has, and then the discussion of the Department of Defense being very interested in it. So, but anyway, absolutely. One of the projects that I know that is being worked on is like a 
our Polaris, the side by side, yeah, and and bring doing an a hybrid. Ooh, yeah. So it gives them gives them range, and it gives them two fuel sources because there's always a contingency. Uh, if you take a look, and Jay being prior military too, they tried to make everything a multi-fuel. So all the Hummers, the five-ton trucks, the seven-ton trucks, whatever, JP4 was the common yeah. thread. That's right. So I can run that jet fuel to run a heater to heat a tent, to run my Hummer up and down the road or fly a jet. Yeah. So... You don't oh, know where you're going to be in the world. Yeah, that's a good that's right. Oh, oh, how I love the smell of JP4 in the morning, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. No, seriously, when I was in the Air Force, man, I just, I just, you know, you can't, you can't get away from it. It's used in everything. And um, he's right. That's a, that's a good, it's a good point you make there, Chuck. Um, Again, I'm, I'm just here to learn, man. Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm like, can I run uh, that Coleman stove on uh, JP4? <laughs> 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 you never know, man. You never know. So, All right. Any uh, what, Jay? You got any clo- closing thoughts? Well, or, uh, well, I got. I've got a couple of other questions that we haven't gotten oh, into, well, let's, and let's let's, let's get into them. the trade. Let's get into our trade shows and and the fact that they've been all canceled and everything. I'm, I've got a Barbara um, Walters question for Chuck at the end, but I'll. I'll... <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you guys, PRI was recently canceled as well, and I know that's a big show for you guys, which makes complete sense. It's 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 a machine shop um, uh, show. Uh, Machinery Row is incredible there. I, I, I love, um, I mean, to be in just the noise and the smells, and, and you know that, Chuck. When you, If you're a shop guy, you love just, you walk in and you just smell it, man. And that's all the equipment going and all the just different new um, uh, applications uh, out there for these machinists, but we won't have that this year. And how does that affect? How how is not having that ability to get out and interact personally with those guys at a show like that? How is that going to affect um, the business this year? Do you think? And and do you think that the virtual show is going to be just as successful um, in its own way? Um, because we have experienced with SEMA this week, um, you know, a few pitfalls, but it is the first virtual show, and we've got some got some hurdles to get over to make it really a truly good and interactive and networking environment, which is the whole intent. Um, do you feel that by not having that show this year in person, person to person? Is it going to have any major impacts on the industry at all, do you think? Or, or are we just going to get past it and cross our fingers for next year? I think that the the situation is truly, especially on the equipment side, that we want to be face-to-face. Because no matter how well you prepare, okay, crankshaft balancing, uh, I can do a presentation online and I can say all of the, the features and so forth. But when you're standing face to face and the little nuanced things that you would ask whoever's selling what piece of equipment, you're, you're there, you're close to it. You see the, the, the small characteristics and, and you ask uh, more direct questions. 
I think that's hard to replace. Now, I think there's going to be some components, uh, you know, just hard parts, that they can continue to do that and be successful. But I think when it's the, you know, these guys wait for the show. I always say this is not a, it's not a show, it's a reunion. All yeah. of our buddies, we get together and we have a really good time day and night. Uh, I, I can tell you from being on the tech line, everybody is bummed about that part of it. They yeah. really want to get together and show the unity of the industry. Uh, the mach- the machine side of it, people come there with a plan usually and blank checkbooks, and that's where the decisions, because they watched videos online. Right. Talk to this, the sales agent. They've done everything they can do except for put hands on it. Well, at this point, I don't know that there's any holographic stuff with feel, uh, so I'd say yeah. we're a few years out. <laughs> well, right. and that's a that's a good, you know, every time that we have done something, I, I have walked away, even stuff by myself, where you have a conversation. Hey, hey, Nissan, what's the deal with this uh, Titan Dually with the Cummins, you know, turbo diesel in it? Oh, well, talk to these guys over here in the corner. They're the guys that built it. And, and you have a captive audience and you can go, hey, you know, tell me, hey, Chuck. What tell me what show me, you know, why is it that I need to be doing things a certain way? And in the virtual world, you, these guys are all getting hit up by it's like it's like you taking t- tech calls, Chuck. But you now you're getting you're sitting in a, you know, in front of a computer and you're getting blasted with 15 different conversations at once. And you're trying to answer and keep a stream of consciousness going. And, and it doesn't have that same exchange value that you get no. when you can literally you know just stand there face to face and talk someone through a, a, a complete thought or have them demo a product to you and you go wow i had no idea you know look at that uh right and 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 i uh, yeah that so that's the that's sort of the that's the opportunity if you want to frame it that way that we have yet to solve uh, so i've got this is a this is a this is a little bit of a would you rather okay for chuck this is a this is a i'm gonna frame this in in a i have no idea where he's going with yeah. this chuck so <laughs> it crazy. was not in the it was not in the script my friend all right so <laughs> you have the opportunity um to either have the supply chain open back up where you know we don't have the delays and the back order situations that we currently have today in the automotive industry. So let's just say next week you wake up and things are getting replenished, okay? So that's option one. You can go down that road. And and we're the, so the question is, what's better for the business? Okay, so that, so that being the first option, we get our supply chain back. Option two is we can all return to business as usual. We can do our trade shows. We can do our in-person meetings. We can do, we can go into the office, we can do everything just as it was in 2019, but we're going to have to still deal, deal with the supply chain problem. Which one of those has a better outcome? You know, do we go back to kind of work like we used to and go to the trade shows or do we continue down the road of kind of distancing, but we get our supply chain back? If you could choose only one. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a challenge because quite honestly, with the supply chain being so broken, it's still going to impact all those other decisions. If I can't meet the demands of my customer because I can give him the product that he wants, then I don't have a reason to go to that show and try to improve my efficiencies. I don't have a reason to go to the show and try to talk about the supply chain problems because I'm trying to put out fires in my shop all the time and dedicating all of my time to my customer at my counter. So when the supply chain is running smoothly, you know, they always say the, the sign of a good leader is the leader that doesn't have to be there all the time. Yeah. So if you're at the counter and you're fighting with the lack of order feel, the pissed off customer because, hey, you told me five days and it's been 25 days. Right. I think fix the supply chain. Yeah. I tend to lean more to that as well. Yeah. All right. Because all the all the other stuff will will fall into place. It, it's funny when you have supply on a product and those things are running smoothly, all of the other things kind of can fall into place. But if you don't have supply, then it's that continuous effort to try to figure out how to get the supply. But seriously, I mean that's just how it works. So you spend a lot of effort in that, and then you, you may have to change how you do things if the supply is never going to be what it was. So. That would present a whole new challenge, in my opinion. I have a That's feeling if thought. there was a hops shortage or a barley shortage, people would be a <laughs> lot more motivated to solve these kinds of global problems, you know? <laughs> See where I'm going with that? <laughs> oh, I do, yeah, yeah. Beer uh, sales are up. Alcohol sales are yeah. up, yeah, for sure. So. Jay, uh, you want to give out some, um, you know, yeah, let me do this. contact details, um, the usuals? Yep, yep, I will do that. Uh, first of all... Um, Let's talk about how you can you can go over and see uh, Chuck and Steve over uh, uh, at aera.org. Uh, Engine Professional Podcast, you can go to the aera.org and you will find the tab there to click on the podcast. Um, and they're on every platform out there as well, Spotify, just like us, guys. Trust me, you can get to them. It's very easy. Just go right to their website and you'll find them there. Not only that, there's so many other things that, that these guys do for the industry. Um, you can you can have online training, machinist training, engine rebuilding training, those sorts of things. So get on over there and take a look at what they have and see how well they support this industry. Machine shops, get out mm. there. Yeah, look memberships. Up their membership. Yeah, yeah if that's you're it. any sort so, of a builder or rebuilder, right. check them out. But for us, uh, you can check us out over on partscountaguru.com. Um, we also have our podcast. You can get that to the podcast. There's a podcast link there, tab. Just click on the link and you'll find everything you need. Please subscribe. Um, tell a friend. Share all that good stuff. Um, you can check us out. We're on social media at facebook.com forward slash parts gurus. Please like us. Uh, share share with your friends. Uh, follow us. Um, go over to instagram.com. Uh, forward slash the parts counter gurus we got some nice videos that we load up over there just about every other day uh, you can check us out on instagram uh, and we are uh, at the counter show is our handle 
Um, what else am I missing, man? Am I missing anything? I'm just wondering if you even have to think about this anymore. You're just kind of firing them off there. and it's, Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't even, yeah. It's, I th- it's become my child, man. It's become my child. <laughs> but you can go to YouTube.com and you'll see the video segment of this particular audio podcast. Uh, I think that Keith will be putting this up there as well. Oh, uh, we'll get it. And yeah. We'll, have, we'll get it out there. Um, and just be looking for a lot of other things to come down the pike on the YouTube channel. And But you need to subscribe to, to that channel and hit the bell and give us a thumbs up. That way you're notified when these things go out. And guys, I've said this before. I know it, maybe it's getting old to hear it, but we really need your help to survive uh, doing this sort of stuff. So your subscriptions are free to you, but they are priceless to us, and we really appreciate it. Any of you who have already subscribed, and we are growing like crazy. It's amazing to see the increase in subscriptions. So please, let's keep that trend. I challenge any of you to just just subscribe, and I will guarantee you there will be something there that you will enjoy. Trust me when I say this. So, But anyway, outside of that, um, yeah, we're just it's just good to be here, Clark. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I guess first and most importantly, Chuck, thanks for hanging with us for a little bit. I, I feel yep. that my my need to sort of socialize in the auto industry has been a little bit satiated just thanks to you <laughs> showing up today. Um, and, and I really do look forward to the day when we can do something out there in, in, in the same room, um, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, at a trade show or on the business level or we're just drinking a beer. Uh, but um, at, at any rate, I hope that's sooner versus later. Uh, and I and I wish you guys continued success on your fantastic podcast that, uh, it, you know, regardless of what people are doing, uh, whether you think you're, you know, uh, it's relevant to you in the industry or not, it, I, I, you'll learn something every time you listen to an episode. I, you know, I do. And, and I don't, I don't have any of these skills. So uh, thanks, Chuck. Yes. Thank and you, Chuck. thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. Thanks and, for coming uh, on. We yeah, always so enjoy having everybody, you. So um, everybody, thanks for listening and watching, like Jay said. Thanks to Chuck for uh, taking time out of uh, his AERA gig to, to hang with us. We will, uh, we will talk to you soon, everybody. Take care. Take care.